Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. You're listening to the sermon cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. Now for this week's sermon. You know, revival's still going on, right? Started a month or so back. When I say revival... Just an unusual outpouring and manifestation of the Holy Spirit in Asbury. The last few services, it gets mentioned usually in passing. I spent a few weeks ago actually kind of dedicating, talking about the implications of it for this church and for our nation. And um, so I, I keep the best I can from out here on the West Coast. I try to keep my ear tuned in to what's going on through. There's a lot of different uh, sites and, and people that are talking about it. But um, before I change venue here or direction here, what started in Asbury is spreading. It's spreading to other college campuses, both secular and um, Christian. Uh, it's spreading to uh, uh, places in churches that are not noted for that type of expression or being, it's not that they're closed to the Holy Spirit. It's just that uh, they're being surprised by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I've been just saying, more Lord, and uh, do it here in Vancouver, and specifically here in People's Church, uh, really, it's very selfish in my part because I'm like, Lord, I need it and I want it and I'm hungry for it and I'm thirsty for what your spirit is doing. I believe that it's, that it's the only thing, it's the only real answer that's going to not just save America, but it's going to uh, take America uh, to a place instead of uh, receding and, and I don't, it's not that I care about our influence or power or finances and all that that much, but uh, what we are as a nation spiritually, that's the only thing that's going to get us back. Just organized um, religion cannot. It was never meant to. It's, it's impossible for it to happen. But uh, I had a word last week from several of the team members. The, the two, uh, the young lady and the young man from India. One thing, just sidebar. I love having these teams in because they're from all over the world, and I just, I just love that part. Well, the the two, uh, Elizabeth and uh, Sung, uh, gave me a word at lunch last uh, Sunday afternoon, and it was good for me, but it was really about the church. So. I don't know if any of you have seen Jesus' um, Revolution uh, about Lonnie Frisbee and Chuck Smith and, and that very good movie. Uh, it's, it's worth your while, especially if you're my age, because you know I, I wasn't there, but I lived the tie-dye revolution and all that kind of stuff. So, um, but um, <clears throat> that was a that was a revival that was really um, focused through the younger generation. And so now, 50 years later, we're seeing the same type of phenomenon happening in Asbury, the, the younger generation. Remarkable. Susan and I went to a theater in the middle of the afternoon. There wasn't, there wasn't a, a lot of people in there, but there, the people that were there, they were about my age. And I know what was going on. They were watching it because they went through the same thing back then. Well, this, these two, uh, and there, these, these two, um, uh, people from India that were with us last week, they're not related and they're not married. They're totally separate. So I just want to make that clear. Um, but because there was no communication between them, they they just spoke to me about the Lord knows my heart. 
knows my hunger, that kind of thing. And when I say me, I'm including all of us because you're here and I believe that we have the same type of heart and desire for more of the kingdom. And they said that the Lord is going to add an, an, an additional element in this move of God. And we're going to be seeing much of that here at this church, at People's Church. Whereas there's going to also be a component where the older generation has a visitation of their own. And it's not going to just be a youth revival, as great as that is, but there's also going to be um, the Caleb generation that uh, 40 years later, 50 years later, you know, 80 years old, and they're still taking mountains kind of thing. They got that the Holy Spirit is determined to bring a visitation upon them. And that, um, uh, and that he, he, he is marking this church to have that type of, of um, move of the Holy Spirit. And that he's going to be drawing people from cross-generational, but there's something special that's going to be hitting the 50, 60, and above generation with, the, with a, a, a stirring and a fresh visitation of God. And I began to weep when I heard it. And um, it so thrilled my heart. Because I love to stand on the sidelines and cheer the young people. I really do. But I have a Caleb spirit in me. You have a Caleb spirit in you. That um, it's great for the Joshua's, yay. But man, we're still taking some mountains. We're not giving up. I'm dying with my boots on as far as the kingdom's concerned and as best I can. Uh, and because you, you know, this is it. We got, this is what life's all about. And uh, so I just wanted to give you that word and just, uh, I'm thrilled. I'm praying into that. Would you pray into that with me? All right. We're going to go to the word of God today. So we haven't done it for a couple of weeks. So let's make our declaration to the word. Take your Bibles and stand with me, whatever format you have it in. And, uh, we're going to, I'm excited about what I'm going to be talking about this morning. And I believe the Lord's going to touch your life. To say, I love the Word of God. It is a lamp unto my feet. It's a guide unto my path. It is a book full of promises. Those promises are yes and amen to those who believe. I believe today that I can have everything this book says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. I am who it says I am. Now look to your neighbor and say, and I will never, never, never be the same again because of this book. Anoint my mind to receive. Anoint the pastor to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Take your Bibles and you can have a seat. I want to talk to you this morning about strengthening your hedge of protection. I feel this is a message at, at, at this time for this church. I was talking to some of the leaders over the past several weeks and Levi, the young man who preached last Sunday, he's... I can't call him a son in the Lord because he didn't get saved under my ministry, but we are, uh, he, he calls me one of his fathers in his life, and I'm humbled by that. But I was just going through uh, some of the things over the past month, or since he was here last, whenever that was about what's going on in the church. And uh, there's been, there's been, basically, I'm not going to, there's been an attack, actually, upon the leaders of the church in just physical things. Um, uh, probably half the leaders within less than a month period of time were either in the hospital or emergency kind of things or just, you know, including me. And, um, thank God it was, it wasn't, it was just, um, too much caffeine in my part on my stupidity of being overindulgent in, uh, caffeine. The Lord has since delivered me. <laughs> no, the Lord didn't deliver me. The doc said, you knock it off. And I said, all right. Um, but sometimes things happen. Life just happens. Yeah. Not every sickness is from the devil. I believe no sickness is from God. But sometimes there are just things that happen to our, to our bodies that just happens with the using thereof and things we're exposed to and all of those kind of things. And other, other times the enemy does launch a full-scale attack. And I believe that at least in a measure there has been uh, the enemy coming against just 
he just does what he does. The Bible says the devil does three main things. He kills, he steals, and he destroys. And so if things that you're going through kind of fit in one of those categories, you don't, you know, you don't have to be a theologian to figure out where it came from. Now, there are other times whenever, because of our own actions and because of our own, uh, you know, example, the caffeine thing, um, you just reap what you sow. Mm-hmm. I had a busy day oh, a month or so back, and it was on a Monday, and uh, and we had been to a week full of meetings in, in Bethel and Reading, and I don't know how many services through the week, and by the time Monday came, you know, I was kind of dragging, so I just started drinking double, double, um, what's the newfound place I like so much? No. Dutch Bros, yeah. Their coffee has super caffeine in it, I'll just tell you that. Got through the day with half a dozen of those, yeah. And then came men's meeting that night, and I've never drank one in my whole life, but I, I found, or it, uh, there was a Red Bull. Yeah. I drank it right before I came into men's meeting, and I'm sitting in the men's meeting thinking, I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> Dan, I stepped out of the room and, and uh, just tried to collect myself, and Dan texted me after meeting. He said, are you okay? Typical male fashion. I said, oh, it's all good. <laughs> anyway, if you've been feeling some pressure come up against you, this message is for you. If you have been seeing uh, what you think, man, it's just it's just unusual things that are going on, then um, I'm going to take the next few moments and I want to talk to you about strengthening your head of protection uh, in, in the Lord, the, the, the spiritual head of protection. Christians living in the world have a wonderful benefit bestowed upon us by the Father, by God himself. And, and, it's, and it is a level of protection over them that non-believers simply don't have the capacity to receive. Now, saying that, most of you, before you ever came to Christ, I guarantee you, you were spared by the mercy of God, or you would have probably died somewhere along the line. It's not that God won't protect. It's just that there's not the protection that comes when you're up under the blood. And one of his children. Over in Romans 8, 8 and everybody knows Romans 8, right? Well, we're gonna probably, we're gonna try to connect some dots. I'm gonna start in Romans 8.28. You can all quote it by heart. And it says that we know, <clears throat> everybody say we know. We know. What's that mean? It means that you know this. You've heard it. You understand this. We know that all things, <laughs> and even thus, uh, I'm just funny. And, uh, it, uh, there was one famous radio preacher. He said something like that and the board came to him and said, did you say this? And he said, yes, it's amazing what you'll say when you come up under the anointing. So that's kind of where uh, Pastor Grace was today. Uh, those that love the Lord, that we know that all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purposes. Now I want to jump over to verse 31 and continue on. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If you're a Christian, the devil tried lying to you over and over again that he's for everybody else, but you just aren't quite everybody else. That's a lie from the enemy. And it's the, it's the tactic the devil used from the very first human that he ever spoke to in Eve and Adam. And he said, you know, did God really mean that? And so he still does that, but Paul's just saying, listen, if God's for us, and we know that he is, he says he is, his word says he is, then who can be against us? He, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for all, us all, how shall he not with him also Freely give us all things. Who, sorry for that water bottle, who is he? Okay, verse 32. Uh, How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Verse 33. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Let's question. Well, we're going to answer that question in just a moment. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? 
It is God who justifies. In a few weeks or up in the upcoming uh, uh, Foundations of Faith class in on Wednesday night, might be more in a few weeks, but coming, coming down the pipe, we're going we're to dedicate a whole evening to justification, sanctification, and reconciliation. And it's such a massive, massive doctrine that everyone needs to at least, you need to know it, and you need to be reminded of it. I'm convinced um, more often than what we have been. Because justification, it is God's work who justifies you. He looks at you as though you've never done anything wrong. God is the only one in the universe who can do that. I want you to go over to Job now, chapter 1. Oh. Job 1. And probably most of you are familiar with what I'm going to read, but it's answering that question that we just read. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? Job 1, 6 through 10. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. The term sons of God is referring to um, supernatural beings, the angels. They can be the angels who around God's throne, or they can be the sons of God, the angelic supernatural beings that left their first, first estate, as you described. Um, you'll find this referenced in Genesis chapter 6, where it uses that same term. Uh, this lets us know that this, he's not talking about people who are called the sons of God. These are, this is a spiritual, you're, you're peering into the supernatural realm in Job 1.6. <clears throat> and Satan also came among them, and the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? For those of you that were with us last Wednesday night when we were talking about the doctrine of heaven, uh, this is one of the proof texts for which atmosphere Satan uh, operates in. He operates in the first heaven, which is the atmospheric uh, envelope that is around the planet Earth. And so Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? You know, it just, it's just kind of implied, but uh, knowing the goodness of God and the wickedness of Satan, it doesn't, you don't, the, Job didn't have to describe what was happening here. You just know what was happening here. The enemy was going about looking like a roaring lion who he could devour. And so God said, um, well, I know what you're doing. You're roaming the earth looking for people that you can destroy. And he said, have you considered my servant Job? Now, an initial reading of that, you might think, well, man, does God have something against Job? No, just the opposite. Job has, God has such a, an incredible um, confidence, not in the flesh of Job, but just in the heart of Job. And so he said, if you considered him, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. So Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? Satan knew Job in this regard. Verse 10, Satan's still addressing God. Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? That's, that's the, the text that I want to bring out in this, uh, in this application today. That God not only is able, but God does put hedges of protection around his people. This is Job. This is pre-Christ. Uh, many consider Job, uh, the book of Job, probably the oldest book in the Bible. I'm not going to get into all that, but it's, this is, this is, this goes back a long time. And even there, we see the nature of the Father protecting his own. Job, this man who hated evil. Job, this man who loved God and feared God. Uh, Satan knew that because of Job's heart and attitudes towards God, that, that the Father is so benevolent that he put something around Job that the devil could not penetrate through. That 
whole account is um, uh, really just indicating to us that the activity in the supernatural realm has more influence upon the natural realm than what we really understand. That we we are so over um, oversensitized to our five natural senses that the greatest sense that we have, which is that spiritual sense, that supernatural, we're eternal beings, that um, the senses of this world kind of mask it down or dull it down a little bit, but the man or woman of God who's really uh, pressing into the things got to realize that the supernatural realm is more powerful and more important than just the natural realm. Okay? Over in Isaiah 5, chapter 1. I want you to go there. We're going to read another verse, and then we'll get into the heart of what we're talking about today. Isaiah chapter 5. Here, Isaiah is uh, giving, um, from God's vantage point, how that the Lord loves his people. Here he's using the analogy of the people of God, referring to them as God's vineyard. Amen? So he's talking about, yeah, I believe he's talking about Israel here, but the um, uh, the principle that I want to pull out is to those who, who uh, have given themselves to serve the Lord. Now, let me sing to my well-beloved, chapter 5, verse 1 of the book of Isaiah, a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard. He's talking about God. On a very fruitful hill. He's talking about the earth. He dug it up. He cleared it out as stones. He planted it with the choicest vine. That's, that's, that's the church. That's his people. In this, in this context, he was talking about um, the children of Israel. Those people that he called unto himself. He built a tower in its midst. He also made a wine press in it. There are so many messages that we could preach out of, out of this. But I'm just I'm trying to bring this point out. Uh, how he prepared this place where his vineyard would would produce. And so he he dug it up, he cleared out his stones, planted choice vines, and he built a tower in its midst. A number of translations say he built a hedge around it. And hedge is probably a better translation for that word than, than tower is. It was, it was not just so that he could have somebody looking out to see if an enemy was approaching. He'd actually hedge it in and he surrounded it. it. And uh, if you want to read the rest of the chapter, it becomes obvious whenever you see what he, what he does in judgment because they, they wouldn't respond to God's graces. He made a wine press in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. And, um, um, over in verse 4, it says, it's the father speaking. He said, what more could I have done to my vineyard that I have not done in it? You see, part of God's care for you is that, yeah, you'll be with him through eternity. Yes, that your sins are forgiven. Uh, yes, that um, you're going to be a witness to him. You're going to bear fruit. But he is a father. He is, he is not just a, he is the very completeness of the father. And just like as earthly fathers and earthly mothers and earthly parents, we would do anything to protect our, our, our own, our own family, our own children. Well, God's the same way. And one of the things that he does is not only does he live inside of us through the Holy Spirit, not only does he give us his word to strengthen us and build us up in our most holy faith, but he also protects us from things that are seen and unseen. I absolutely uh, know that God has protected me many, many times, and I'm sure you do as well. You might not have known it at the moment, but when you look back and you realize, wow, that uh, was a close one right there, but God watched over me. I think God watches over us in our, in our unexpected times, in our stupid times. Don't be offended at that, all right? You all have them. In our times where we're just not aware, because he never sleeps, he never slumbers, he's totally, and he never stumbles either, and he's totally aware of everything. He knows every hair on your head. He knows everything about you, and he knows how to take care of you and protect you. I want you to go now to Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm going to talk to you about how do you strengthen your hedge of protection. 
over in 6 chapter 10, or chapter 6 verse 10, I'm sure it's going to be a um, familiar portion of scripture as we begin to work our way through this. But, um, I, you know, it's, how many remember the old American Express ad? It says, don't leave home without it. Uh, this, where I'm going to talk about, uh, is about how to strengthen the protection that God has given us as New Testament believers. And in chapter 6 of Ephesians, he goes through this process of the spiritual armor and our weapons. Uh, he did not leave us open prey to the enemy. And he did not leave us in a position where we just take and do a defensive posture. There are actually things here where we take an offensive, offensive posture. And we'll be talking about that, the Lord uh, willing, and all of that next week. But I want to take you through Ephesians 6, um, 10 through 20. And it's about putting on your hedge of protection. And I'm going to do it a little bit differently. Um, I'm going to start, I'll read it, but I'm going to start going through it from the head down. And in verse 10 it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. What's Paul telling us? We can be strong in the Lord and there is power of whose might? It's, it's God's power. It's God's might. It's God's protection. And he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles. What did we? What are the wiles? The trickery, the treachery. What we were reading in Job was this. This is the New Testament correlation to Job 1, where the enemy is strategizing. He's going to and fro. He's doing, he's got a plan. And, and, and we're not ignorance of his devices, the Bible says. The Bible's very clear that we have an enemy. We're involved in a war and, and, um, we're involved in a race. We're involved in, in husbandry. That is farming and vineyards. We're, it's all those spiritual analogy of the supernatural reality that our lives are since we've come to Christ. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Please, as you mature and grow, and you are mature and and um, uh, mature people in Christ, is that when things come against you, the enemy loves to use people to come against you to work his strategy. And so you don't fight against the people. You fight against what the enemy is trying to use the people for. The worst thing that you could do is think that people are your problem or that people are your enemy. They're not. The devil's your enemy and he's your problem. We'll, we'll, we'll deal with that next week, um, over in Corinthians. But today, just taking you through the armor. So, um, for we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, everybody say that with me, stand. After you've done everything to stand, don't cave in. Don't quit. You win if you don't quit. After you've done everything to stand, no matter how hard the battle is, no matter how intense it is, there's no going back. You lay hold of the plow. Don't let go of the plow. Don't you keep it focused on, on glory. You keep it focused on Jesus. You're in this thing. He puts you in it and he's going to enable you to win it, but you're going to have to uh, be involved in putting and there's much protection around your life as you can. And it's not that the devil's more powerful than you because he's not. He's more powerful in you without Christ, but you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. So therefore, he's not more powerful than you. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. If he was, you would have all died before you got here. Why? Because the devil seeks to kill. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, verse 16, and above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all, everybody say all, the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Be watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Okay, we're going to talk about how to strengthen your hedge of protection. Verse 17, the hedge of your mind. Two layers are needed to protect your mind. Why? Because this is the seat of everything that you do within your life. It's, 
uh, I'm not going to break down the difference between the heart and the mind, but uh, the, I believe that's the soulish realm of our lives. And the Lord understands that our minds are under constant attack from this world, from the systems of this world. We live in a, in a capitalistic system. And by the way, I love capitalism. When you look at countries that don't have capitalism, you see poverty and misery. And I've ministered for years in places like Haiti and the Caribbean and Africa. And uh, yeah, capitalism is not perfect. But whenever you're motivated that you can uh, you can gain by your own honest labors, it's a good thing, not a bad thing. But I said that to say this. In capitalism, you have this continual onslaught of advertising, of sales, of things that go right to the very inner parts of you to try to get you to motivate motivate you to spend your money. So I don't watch motorcycle ads. I rebuke Cabela's and Sportsman's Warehouses every time I go in there. Anyway, no. <laughs> my wife took my Cabela's card. Yeah. Thank God for that. Yeah. Your mind needs two layers of protection. Verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What's, what is the helmet of salvation? The helmet of salvation is that uh, strengthening of your hedge by every day setting your mind upon those things which are above. And so, for me, I think there's enough biblical evidence that you start start your day, whenever that day is. Some people start early in the morning. Some people work shifts. I used to work shifts for a while. And so your, your day starts at midnight and crazy things like that. Whatever the starting of your day is, I believe that out of uh, Ephesians 6 here, when he says, uh, put on the helmet of salvation, you begin to cover your mind with things that are concerned of the kingdom. So, well, how can you do that? Well, a great place to start is just start reading the Bible. Yeah, I don't, yeah, have a one-year reading program. It doesn't matter to me. Just get in the Bible and start reading it. Even if you're so tired that you don't even know what it's really saying. It's just as you begin to put the helmet over your mind. Things happen on the inside that you're not even aware of. Because later on in the day, I have it happen almost every day. Things that I read early on or sometimes in the middle of the night. It seems that the next day, somewhere along the line, a dot connects with something that I just read. Is that, is that just me or have y'all? Yeah, many of you have. You have it happen all the time. That's the, that's the supernatural dynamic of this book that is different than Gone with the Wind and Reader's Digest and any other thing you might read. This book is supernatural. It connects in your brain. I believe that, I don't know how the brain all works, but there are these connections. I think they call them synapses, and they're chemically and electrically uh, 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 operative. That's how they function. I believe the Bible and the Word of God gets right in the middle of the chemical and electrical activity within your brain, and it connects with it, putting on the helmet of salvation. That's the first part. Meditating. I love meditating. What's meditating? Are you, are you new age? Are you guru? Are you know, yoga? No. No, the Bible talks about meditating. They stole that stuff from the Bible. I'm not letting them take the credit for big quiet times before the Lord. Being still before God. Me not speaking and listening for what he's speaking. The meditating. Get in mind. That's part of that covering shield over my mind. Quieting myself. Uh, there's a verse uh, that says, quiet yourself like a man. And it has nothing to do with, you know, male and female gender. It has about, if you're really going to be strong, there are times where you just settle yourself and quiet yourself. As you get ready, it begins to do something within your mind. Because you're going to be using your mind. No, those that have teenagers, teenagers plug your ears right now. No, <laughs> no I, I, forgive me, Naomi, I didn't mean it. It was a Freudian slip. No, they, sometimes you think that the brain just isn't functioning like it should, but the brain's functioning at higher levels than what you can even imagine it does. There's the, um, uh, there's the conscious part, but then there's the subconscious part, which I believe is tied directly to the spiritual and the supernatural part. The brain controls your confession. As a man... That's what it says. That's exact. As a man thinks, 
Well, so he is. And as a man thinks, let him speak. Out of the, out of the inner being, out of your words comes, uh, comes the, the issues of life and even death. And so you need to have your brain and your mind with a shield on. But then he says, take the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. And so as you begin to think upon those things which are above those spiritual things, the word of God literally becomes an offensive weapon in your hand. It becomes a sword. And uh, the shield is there to protect from the, uh, from, the, from the bullets, from the darts, from the arrows. But the sword is there to say, get back. You can't come any further. What do you use the sword for? The word of God. I, uh, Susan and I have taken it for uh, as long as I can remember. And we put uh, we draw a bloodline, uh, and we just declare, the devil, you can't cross the bloodline of our lives. And if you ever do, you're trespassing, and the Lord will make you pay back way more than what you ever sold from us. And I've seen it to be true. That we put it around our kids. We put it around our grandchildren. We put it around our stuff. We even put it around our dog. We put it around everything that we have and that we take care of and that's under us. We put it around this church. That there's a, there's a, a line that is drawn in the sand, so to speak, in the spirit. And it is the line that Jesus purchased with his own blood. You can't cross it. This next one is, you started with your head. The next one is in verse 14. He says, stand therefore, having I girded your ways, but having put on the breastplate of righteousness, the next part I go to is covering my heart. You shield your emotions. Your emotions need to be shielded from the enemy. Why? Because most of the people that get themselves in trouble as they, as they serve God and things happen that they uh, know better, it starts in the seat of the emotions somewhere. So this, he said, you need to put on the breastplate. You need to cover that area of your, of your heart, um, those, those issues of the heart. The Lord loves you. And he says that he wants you to serve him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Um, listen, Christianity is not some stoic religion void of emotions. As a matter of fact, it is a, it is a, it is a, a lifestyle where emotions are sanctified and encouraged. We're going we're gonna to get them emotionally involved, Pastor Grace. I'm giving you my word. We're going to get them emotionally involved. They, they lost an hour's worth of sleep today, so they're going to... Emotions uh, of your life, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit, are one of the, it's one of the greatest blessings and treasures that God has given you. Well, how do you know that? Because joy is the primary emotion of the kingdom. The joy of the Lord is my strength. That God wants you to live a life filled of joy, filled of peace, and filled of happiness. And those are the things that the enemy wants to steal from you. You can pretty much just take it to the bank that whenever you feel the joy ebbing away out of your life, that that's not the Holy Spirit doing that. Well, I'm going to remove probably. You will know that's not the Holy Spirit doing that. Yeah, if you come up under conviction or you're, you know, being stupid and God's dealing with you, he loves you like a son and he will chasten you. But um, that's not what I'm talking about. But whenever your joy leaves, whenever your peace leaves, I try to rule my life by this principle. I'm going to let the peace of God guard me, protect me, and guide me. That is, I, I, I can go where I have the peace of God. In my heart. Not a fake piece of my own desires, but the peace of God. And so you put a shield around your emotions. Everybody, you know, there's what, four or five or half a dozen different personality types. And I don't know if you've ever taken the tests and all of that. Um, uh, we, we all have our emotional makeup. But man, if you, if you, if you are one that is living or working in a, in a, in a place where there's a lot of drama going on, you need to really put the breastplate over you. If you, um, we used to have some neighbors that were Italians. And I love Italians. But they didn't do anything quiet. 
they got up shouting and screaming. And it wasn't even bad shouting and screaming. They were telling the kids how great they were shouting and screaming. But I mean, man, there was just all, and it, I would just sit there and think, oh God, if I lived there, I would, I would need Valium or something. I don't know how they do it. But, uh, there, whatever, whatever those areas that just set you off in your emotions, shield that. I mean, guard it. Sometimes you just gotta say, not today. I'm not, I'm not participating in this. The next one over in verse 14 is, shield what is private, private. He says, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Provide 360 degrees of protection so that nothing is exposed that shouldn't be exposed in your life. I was joking around about caffeine. But listen, if you've got a problem with drugs or you've got a problem with alcohol, you know, don't get, don't go sit in the bar and watch the football games. I mean, it's just, he gave you a brain. We were just talking about it. If you, if you come out of the drug world, now if you're called and that kind of thing and, you know, we'll work through all that. But man, don't just say, oh yeah, my ministry is going to, uh, you know, I'm going to go win the heroin dealers to Jesus. You know, God loves the heroin dealers. But, uh, all I'm trying to tell you is that you need to make sure that those areas of your life that need to be protected because they're private, they shouldn't be exposed. They can be protected. God doesn't take you and just put you out for the wolves. He said we're sheep. We're like sheep amongst wolves. But the analogy doesn't just mean that we're just, um, uh, you know, free prey to the enemy. We're sheep amongst wolves. But the Lord promised that he would be there with us. That we have a good shepherd. He didn't say you're a sheep without a shepherd. No, Jesus said my sheep know my voice. And what do they do? They follow it. So you you cover and you protect. It's usually the area that you that you open up where you know you shouldn't open up, where the enemy gets a foothold. Now, what did Paul say about this? He said, take heed when you think you stand, lest you fall. Verse 15. Now we've moved on down from our head, our, our heart, our private parts. Verse 15, he said, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, watch your step. That is, be prepared. Uh, Paul Love, he's the master at using the, the two analogies of the warrior and the athlete. And in the warrior uh, uh, way that Paul talks about we as Christians, that we're fighting the war, he said, I fought the good fight. And then he says in that same sentence, I finished my race. He, he was drawing from that Roman culture and what they would be able to uh, relate with. But his whole thing within that is that in watching your step is that you need to be prepared. I think one of the things that uh, becomes critical within our lives in the day that we live in is lack of preparation for the things that we're facing within the world as believers. And we face a lot of things as believers where the world is aggressively coming against us. Uh, we're getting ready to do reading buddies. We, we presented that a few weeks ago in the church. We had our meeting yesterday with uh, the, the representative from the leading, uh, reading buddies program, as Christian program, and then a representative from the school, from Fruit Fruit Valley School. I'm excited. I hope they give me a good kid. And uh, <laughs> whoever it is, is going to be great. Uh, I noticed a stark difference between the two representatives. Those that were there probably know what I'm getting ready to say, and I'm not going to you know, pick on anybody. But the, the uh, lady who was from the, the Reading Buddies Christian program, totally different spirit than the lady from the public school. She was a sweetheart. Both of them were. But you could see the difference. And I could, I could, I could see when I, when I saw that, oh, the school just thinks we're, we're benevolent, nice people coming in because we're going to love these kids. And we're, and we're going to do that. And Susan said, we're not, basically she said, you can trust us. We're not going to go crazy and start preaching and, you know, casting out devil. And she didn't say that. But, but I remember the response was, well, you can pray in your heart. Well, that's good. We're going to pray in our heart. But 
if you're reading, buddy, you better prepare your heart before you get there. And that is on every aspect of life. Whatever you endeavor do. And the more spiritual it is, the more preparation that is needed. Well, God's going to guide my steps. Well, yeah. But then Paul told Timothy, he said, you're going to be a warrior. You need to minister to your own generation. And oh, by the way, Timothy, you better study to show yourself approved a workman on the God who needs not be ashamed. You better get ready for the battle. And so if you just take this, you know, God is great and we love everybody and we're just going to walk out and, and think that everything's going to be fine. No, you need to be, be preparing. Well, how do you do that? What is the preparation of the hedge of protection in, uh, in, in preparing? He said, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. I'm going to tell you uh, t- today, the gospel is still the greatest message that the world needs, the good news. The gospel of peace. We bring in, what is the Hippocratic Oath? You know, that physicians and doctors and medical people take. Part of the Hippocratic Oath is, we will do no harm. Every believer is prepared in the gospel of peace. We're not here to hurt you, we're here to help you. We're not here to hate you, we're here to love you. We're not here to give you uh, a, con- a con- condemnation, the Holy Spirit convicts and all of that, but we're here to give you good news, that God has a way even for you. God has a plan for you. You maybe think you, he doesn't, but he's a loving God. He's a merciful God. He's a good God. Basically, everybody in the world outside of Christ had been deceived by their father, the enemy, by Satan, that God is not good. Or that he's a hypocrite. Or that there's something wrong with God. No, we're coming with a gospel of peace and good news. And that is how we walk our lives out. I'm going to tell you, I've had, I've been dealing with maturing in this for pushing 60 years now. Because my natural response at times, you've never seen it, you never will, God help me. But my natural response at times, if, if the opposition is strong enough against me, I'll hackle up and I'll take a self-defensive posture. And the Bible says that I'm not supposed to do that. Now, I will protect myself from criminal activity and that kind of thing. But I'm not looking to pick a fight with anybody, and neither should you be. I'm not looking to have a contentious relationship on any way. Oh, and those things come. And you need to take your stand for the gospel. But it's the gospel of peace. We're not the one that starts it. We, don't go, we should not go into any situation with an attitude that is less than what Jesus would have. If you want to be, have a strength in the hedge of protection, oh, if the enemy just finds, you know, if I put the right person, I won't even use it, if I put the right person in his path at the right time, oh, he'll, remember what Satan told God about Job? You take your hand off him, he'll curse you to your face. You know what Job didn't do? He never cursed him to his face. So that proves once again that the devil's a liar. He's a liar. He's the accuser of the brother. You saw a New Testament principle. He's the accuser of the brother. You saw it happening in the Old Testament in Job 1. God, if you... That's the way he comes. Aren't you glad that the Lord knows you from your beginning to your ending? He knows you. Yeah, you're still going to have to work it out. But uh, uh, I'm just... You know, my my wife... Oh, good. You know, pray for your wives. Uh, My wife at times... And I should be more mature than this. But sometimes in traffic situations... When I'm behind and piloting a 6,000-pound vehicle, my immaturity. <laughs> Why is Teresa smiling and Mike is just shaking? Oh, okay. Mike, do we? Oh, okay. I, yeah, okay. I get it. Your, your wife, my wife. Yeah, all right. What is wrong with you? It's not me. It's the idiot in the... <laughs> and my heart's pounding. And the doctor's saying, don't... We used to live in the Bay Area of California where the traffic is honestly some of the worst in the United States. I had to get out of there because I was going to die of a heart attack if I didn't get out of there. But uh, Vancouver, not so much. It's, it's watching over uh, your responses that will be less peaceful. 
Oh, my goodness. I don't even need to preach it. The Holy Spirit is just letting it drop in. That, as you grow in that, it strengthens your hedge of protection. I'll close with this. I, I finally determined that somebody else's inability to drive properly <laughs> is not going to set my spiritual tone for the day. <laughs> you guys are with me? Yeah, I can, I can see, yeah. <laughs> oh, don't know. Cut the tape. Uh, there are, there are a whole lot of people on the roads that need Jesus, and uh, we're there to, to bring Jesus to the highways and byways. What I began to notice is that every time I would have one of those type of exchanges, that it took me the rest of the day to kind of work it all through, just on the inside. <laughs> and my wife helping the situation along, and all of that. If you want to hear my wife break out in tongues, yeah, <laughs> you think I can't hear, but yeah. Oh, Lord. <laughs> what are we going to do with this now? How many want more protection in your life? Start every day putting your armor on. Yes, you don't have to go and shut yourself in a room for 35, 40 minutes and, you know, pray in the Spirit. Just as you're going through getting ready, as you're going through your day. Sometimes, uh, sometimes I have a piece of armor fall off in the middle of the day and I got to pick it back up. <laughs> you don't ever hear about that message much, but uh, yeah, armor can come loose. You just pick it back up and you get the helmet back on. You get your, sometimes the dart gets through from the enemy and all right, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take the shield of faith. Let's stand up. Father, we just thank you for your, that you equipped us, God. We're not like children that can't take care of anything. We are your children. We're your sons and we're your daughters. But God, you've also given us a measure of things where we're involved in, in being mature people and solid people and people that are able to defeat the wiles of the enemy. Listen, there is no wrong in being tempted. The enemy comes to tempt you. God does not tempt you, but the enemy does. Just because you're being tempted or you're being tested doesn't mean that you've done something wrong. What it does mean is you need to make sure that you've got your hedge up, that you've got your armor on, that the enemy's put a target on you, and that uh, he's, he's just trying to wreak some havoc in your life. Whenever you have those kind of senses about you spiritually, you need to double your um, attention to the armor. You need to double your attention, not to human conflict, but to spiritual conflict. So, Lord, I pray that in this church called People's Church, that we are a people that are covered and protected by our God. Yeah, bad things happen to good people. That's just the nature of a fallen world. But, Lord, we pray. I pray for every person in this building that, God, they would have the spiritual uh, fortitude in them to put on their armor every day of the week. That, Lord, when they're going into stressful or wicked situations where we're involved, we're in a wicked world. We interface and we inter- uh, relate to people that don't know you. And that, God, when we go into those type of settings, that, Lord, we will be those that will be protected. But also, God, we'll be there to bring the good news. We'll bring the gospel of peace into a world that is just in turmoil and conflict. Lord, I pray that we would be a church where people that have been wounded by the enemy would be able to come and receive reconciliation and healing and wholeness. Will you pray with me right now for that? Lord, people that have been wounded and bruised and beat up by the enemy, that when they come through the doors of this place, it's not that we're great, it's because you're great, but that, Lord, you will use us. We'll be well equipped enough to where we'll be able to bring healing and restoration and and counsel and insight into the lives of people who need it desperately. Lord, I pray as we dedicate 
even a new children's director today, that our children will be protected in schools, whether they be private schools or public schools. That, Lord, they will be protected. That, Lord, this will be a house where revival is operating every day of the week. And, God, I pray that we would rise above the wiles of the enemy. We're not ignorant to his devices, but that our victory is absolute, firm, and assured in Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Have a wonderful week this week. We'll see you back Wednesday night as we continue on in the doctrines of faith.